right, well, welcome. Welcome all of you online. Thanks for joining us. We are glad you are with us as we begin a brand new series. I'm also excited because it's the beginning of football season. Some people could really not care at all. How many of you just don't really care at all? I mean, all right. But more than half of you care. So on the count of three, I want to hear your, your team's name. One, two, it really doesn't matter. So this is the team we're going to root for this year, right? No. This is kind of the fun thing. One of the reasons I love football season is because we get to rib each other and have fun. And uh, but, but by the way, this is the time of year where all the Raiders fans have to start coming in the side door because we have metal detectors. So just keep that in mind and be, you know, be loving, even if you're a Raiders fan. So all of that is is a lot of fun. It is fun. And so you can wear jerseys or not. It doesn't really matter. But I thought, you know, beginning of the new season, I would I would represent. Um, this is also the beginning of, like I said earlier, our, our life group and rooted season. All those are starting this next week. We have groups that start on Sunday, uh, Monday, Tuesday. We have different nights of the week. Uh, again, you can see those on your app and all of that. But one of the groups that we have coming up that we haven't made a special note of, but it's still part of this this year. And the reason I want to make a special note of it is because maybe you've heard of Financial Peace University. It's it's a really cool thing. I've been through it. We've had hundreds of people in our church go through this. We have another one of Available on Wednesdays right here in one of our buildings, one of our classrooms. I'm not sure where. Um, I don't know everything. But it's here on Wednesdays, 6.30. starts this next Wednesday night. And uh, the cool thing is we had somebody, a generous person in our church, pay this, this big fee so that anybody in our church who wants to go can go free. If they didn't do that, it would cost you like $80 to do this. And they paid it so that you can go free. So if you want to participate in that, that's Wednesday night, 6.30. And uh, you get access to all this information besides the course itself. There's a lot of stuff online that you have access to. And it's a huge help. It's, it's a huge help when it comes to usually the, the, the debt and the concern and the worry and the anxiety we have associated with money. It's, it's been a huge help for a lot of people in our church. So I want to make sure we highlight that one and let you know about that. Well, we got this new series. Uh, I want to kind of walk into it like this. Some of you know that I have a Jeep. I love my Jeep. It's, uh, it's older. It's like 2015, which doesn't sound old, but it's like eight years old. It's got 126 to 127,000 miles. It, uh, it's still in great shape, and I enjoy We've been on some great adventures to get me and my Jeep. We've, we've had some fun times. Um, we've been uh, in some beautiful places that God has taken us where uh, we get to see and then photograph what God has shown us in different places. This was actually in Yosemite in the wintertime, one of my favorite places in the world, um, where God just said, hey, by the way, I really do love you guys. So that's Yosemite. Um, anyway, my, my Jeep has been cool. So I'm going to back up a little bit. My Jeep is old enough to have some issues. And I found out it's not just my Jeep, but this is happening with some other Jeeps right now. Um, I, was, I was going to speak at a men's retreat in Arizona. I left a few days early to visit some friends in Arizona. I, I went to see one of my friends in Prescott. And on my way there, I get into Prescott. I've been on a long drive, and I'd been a hot day. And I get there and turn my car off and I walk around, waiting for him to get home. He's, he's home like in 30 minutes, so I just go get some ice cream or something. I'm walking around downtown. I get back in my, my Jeep. Jeep and I go, and what's happened is the thermostat has frozen or locked in place, and it won't let any coolant get to my engine block, so my, my, my engine overheats. Literally, it was showing me how hot it was, and then it just went, and this other light came on, which I call catastrophic failure light, which 
scared me to death, but I'm only like a mile and a half from his house. So I just, uh, I went ahead and got there. And then we figured out through the help of a mechanic that it's probably the thermostat. Okay. And then two guys who are not super mechanical wound up changing it and it worked. And I was back in, you know, I was, I was going. Okay. So that's, that's back in the first week in May. So Michelle and I, in July, were on our way to speak at a church in Fresno. We decided to leave early in the morning, five in the morning, and we're gonna go through Sequoia National Forest. I think my dad and our family had been there once when I was a kid, but I had not been there as an adult. I wanted to see these big trees. I wanted to take tons of pictures. So we get there, we stop at uh, General Sherman, and then we start going, and my thermostat froze in the middle of Sequoia National Forest. Now, I don't know if you know this, this might be the greatest oversight in the history of mankind. There are no auto parts stores in Sequoia National Forest. And as far as I know, there's no auto parts stores in any national forest, which we need to look into. And I knew what the problem was, but I didn't have the part and I didn't have cell coverage. We're in the middle of nowhere. So I got back in the car. I, I had looked at it, kind of thought, yeah, this is the same thing. I get back in the car. I grab my wife's hand. I said, let's pray. And this, this is my prayer. I'm not kidding. God, I know you have the power to miraculously heal my engine. You can unstick the thermostat. And if you would like to, that would be awesome. We'll give you all the glory. If you choose not to, we're fully in your hands. We had parked in a spot where nobody would see us. And so I said, well... It's maybe cooled off enough. We need to get to a spot where somebody will see us. So we, we get in, we drive about half a mile. Man, my thermostat's going way up again. I see a turnout. I just turn and park there. And it's the entrance to a lodge in the national park. So I'm like, somebody's going to see us here. So I put the hood up. I'm literally, there's an entrance and an exit. I'm in the middle of those two, facing the highway. Nobody's going to miss us now. And yet... I felt a little bit like a guy selling solar in Costco. You know what I'm talking about on your way out? It was like, hey, hey, I'm not gonna look at you. I'm not gonna. The first three or four cars going, oh, they're not gonna. The hood is up. I'm the guy outside going, like, we need help, right? All I needed was a phone because I had no cell service. We wait a little bit longer, and finally, God sends a couple of angels. Their names are John and Aubrey Foster. They had never gone that way to get to Hume Lake, which I didn't even know we were close to. My kids have been to Hume Lake for camp in the summertime. Michelle and I had never been there. I didn't know we were only 30 minutes away from Hume Lake. He's on the board of directors. And that day, for some reason, and they said they didn't even decide till that day, they get up and decide to go around the other way, the long way, just to go through Sequoia. They see us pulled over. They see the hood up and he says, hey, do you need any help? I'm like, ma'am, I just need to get to a phone. There's a lodge up here. Would you mind taking me up there? And so we drive. It's only a half mile. In fact, I had just started walking, and they, they pulled over and got me. And so we, we drive back there. And he goes, by the way, I got cell service right now. So I had the company who didn't have cell service right there. He had the company that did. He had Verizon. You can figure it out. And don't get me started on the, all the other ones because they didn't have coverage there. But it was really between Verizon and AT&T, and I have AT&T. And so I, I was like, just get me to the lodge. In this little half-mile trip back there, he's saying, by the way, he says something that lets me know 
They're believers. They're Christians. And I said, by the way, I'm a pastor. I'm speaking in Fresno this weekend. This is on a Friday. I'm speaking there tomorrow night and Sunday. And uh, I just need to call them because I think they can get me the part up here. And he says, which church? And he told me, he goes, we have tons of friends at that church. And so they go to another church in town, but they knew all these people. And then he tells me, by the way, we're on our way to Hume Lake. Let's just go there. They might even have the part. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, they have a huge area where they have, and they have a bunch of Jeeps. Now they're older, but they carry parts for all these things. They didn't have the part I needed, but here's the, here's the part I want you to get. They took us to Hume Lake and we waited because we were able to get the phone call in. We got the phone call in. Somebody from the church I was going to be speaking at, from their maintenance department, went to the auto parts store, got the part I needed, this little thermostat, $25, brings it all the way up. It takes a couple hours to get there from there. He gets it to me. John has to go into a board meeting. He goes to his board meeting. Aubrey then takes us back, all the way back to our Jeep, lets me fix it. It only takes like 15 minutes because now I know what to do because in Arizona, I had to figure it out the hard way with a friend who's not very mechanical and YouTube, and we did it, and now I can do it by myself. So she takes us back there. We get in the car, and we start driving. We pass the, the Hume Lake entrance. We flash the lights and wave, and she goes on back, and we head down to Fresno. And I'm going to tell you right now, that could have been a train wreck of a day. And Michelle and I, if you bring it up now with us right now, a smile is going to come on our face, and we're going to tell you about our friends, John and Aubrey. We're going to tell you about the three hours we had at Hume Lake, seeing people and, and being ushered around and getting the grand tour and getting like a hamburger and a shake that was one of the best ones I ever had. It's like, man, what a good day. And so I would say, I would summarize it this way. While it could have been horrible and painful, it brought us joy. Now, these were people that we had just met. But what I want us to think about this weekend are the people that we already have in our life, the people that we intentionally surround ourselves with, because I want you to find the joy in those relationships. I want you to understand how valuable those people in your life really are. Peter Drucker is like the father of modern management. He said this, and I, and I love this statement. He says, the number one characteristic of a CEO or a leader is that they enjoy other people. They enjoy people. And the, the kind of people you want to work with, or the kind of people you want to work for, the kind of people you want to enjoy being around too. It's like, it kind of goes both ways. But the leader needs to be the person who, who enjoys being around people. I think there's something that we get when we watch Paul in action because Paul is never by himself. He's always with a team. He always operates with other people on his team, and it's pretty cool. In fact, the Bible says this in Ecclesiastes 9.9. It says, husbands, enjoy your life with the wife you love. Like it's just reminding us. <laughs> Don't just survive in marriage, thrive in marriage. Like enjoy this life that you have with this wife that you love. But then... Rick Warren makes this observation. The problem I find is that many marriages are more a matter of endurance than enjoyment. We don't really enjoy the people in our lives. We tolerate them. We put up with them. We endure them. Now, this word endure is an important word. We need endurance. We need perseverance. But man, if you're married, don't you want more than just to survive? 
You want to thrive. If you're in a, have a friendship or you're on a team, maybe you're a part of a ministry team right here at our church. Like when you're on a team like that and you have these friends and you're in a life group or whatever it is, like you don't want to just endure with them. You want to succeed. You want to thrive. You want to shine, right? And so the Apostle Paul writes a letter to some people who are dear to him in the city of Philippi. We're calling this, this series Bright Light in a Dark Place because he's talking about difficult times. He's writing from prison, which we'll talk about as we go through this letter. So he's, again, not you know, speaking these things on a beach with an umbrella drink, saying, hey, you guys need to be you know, more joyful. No, it's like he's in prison writing, and yet there's something about the light of Christ in him that continues to shine, and it shines best through these relationships that he has. Now, just to give you guys a little bit of background, right? So there's Jerusalem way down here. Antioch is the church, this multi-ethnic, multi-generational church where Paul and Barnabas went on the first missionary journey. Then Paul and Silas went again. So Paul and Silas go this way, way up through here. Now, this whole area we call today, we call it Turkey. Way over here is Greece. Up here is Philippi. You come down, there's Athens, Corinth, Ephesus, and back they go. So this is the loop they did. And he's not actually in Philippi very long. We read about it in Acts chapter 16. You can read about it. It starts Acts 16, verse 16, and then you get down about verse 40. That's his first trip to Philippi. The church is planted. The church is launched. And again, he's not there very long, but a church is there, and a church that he deeply cares about. And here's the cool thing. They deeply care about him. In fact, the reason that Paul is writing to the church at Philippi is to say thank you. While he's in prison, they sent a guy named Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus came to him to bring him the encouragement that they all, could, they all couldn't travel. So he took the encouragement and he took an offering to help financially take care of his needs. So he came to encourage him, to take care of him, and to provide for him. We find out in this letter, Epaphroditus actually gets sick and almost dies. And so Paul then commends people like Epaphroditus who are willing to put their life on the line for the, for the gospel. But all this happens right here in this little place called Philippi. Now he's over here in Rome. There's, remember, there's the boot right about here, Rome. He's over here. He's in prison. But he's writing them because they mean so much to him. He cares about them. And so here's how he starts his letter. It's similar to the way he starts other letters. Um, he says, this letter is from Paul and Timothy. Again, he's not alone. Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you, read it with me, grace and peace. Most of his letters have some kind of a greeting like this, grace and peace and faith and love. Those are kind of things that are just pretty common. But I think when Paul writes these things, it's not just like, like we end a letter, like sincerely. Like, no, he's saying, no, this is important. It's not only that God can bring you grace and peace, but then as the people of God, we need to then reflect and share that grace and peace too. And if you're going to have great relationships, grace and peace, they need to be a part of the equation. And so he says, I care about you. Me and Timothy are hanging out here in prison. And I just want to say thank you for what you did. But man, let me just start off by saying grace and peace. So as we walk through some of the things that he says in these opening words, I want us to think 
about the people that we, like I said earlier, have intentionally placed in our life. Or even think of it this way, the people I need to intentionally place in my life. I need, I need to have these kinds of friends. I need to have these kinds of support groups. I need to have this kind of network of encouragement. I need to have this happening. And if I don't sense that and I feel so alone, this is a great place to come where you can begin to have those kind of relationships. You know, Get in one of these groups and intentionally do that where grace and peace can be a part of the normal conversation and experience of your life. But as I read the following verses, here's a few things that kind of really jump out to me. When you find the right people, these are the people you, you know you need to hang out. Now, we're going we're gonna to go and be light in dark places. We need to rub shoulders with people who are far from God. But we also need the right kind of people around us to encourage us and to support us and give us that grace and peace. And when we find them, man, be thankful. Now, question. And we, we can actually show our hands on this one. Is it possible to be thankful even for the bad circumstances. Is it possible? Yes, it is. It may be really hard to say, oh God, thank you for this news I just got from the doctor right now. It's like, maybe it's hard to say thank you right now, but in retrospect, we can look back on some of the most difficult times in our life and we can say, you know what? I see what God was able to do because, no, I didn't enjoy that, but thank you, God, because this is what I saw come out of that. The Apostle Paul, when he starts the church in Acts chapter 16, like I said, you can read it. A major thing that happens in that event is he is arrested and beaten and thrown in a dungeon. And then some really cool things happen. My God, I'm not going to run it for you. Go read it yourself. And then then he's let out of prison. And I, and I wonder if, if that experience, because the jailer and his family became Christians, were baptized that very night. This whole thing is, is really cool. We're going to come back to it later, but it's a really cool thing that happens. But I'm, I'm just wondering if maybe as harsh as the beginning of that was, if that wasn't part of the reason why they were so locked in together. And so Paul could actually look back at that jail experience and thank God because of the people he became connected to and how the church was started. Yeah, we, we can be thankful, even for some of the tough stuff. So he says in the very next verse, verse three, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Now, I would love to be able to say this is true of me all the time, but every time I think of you, sometimes I think of what you said the other day, and you probably didn't mean it, but it kind of hurt my feelings. Sometimes when I think of you, I think about that, that one time, you remember when we were like, we were on the opposite sides of this discussion and we said some things we probably shouldn't have said in the way we probably shouldn't have said it. You know, every time I think, I, I just remember that one time and like you were supposed to get milk in the store and that's the one thing you forgot. You know, it's like every time I think of you, what, what's, what's he saying? He's saying, I'm not talking about perfect people, but I am saying this. Every time I think of you, I've chosen to look at the best part of you and what God's done for me through you, even though you're imperfect and so am I. And I give thanks to God. That's what I'm able to do. So here's lesson number one. Be grateful and don't take them for granted. Be grateful. Don't take people for granted, especially the ones who are breathing life into you. So they, they can do it so consistently, so faithfully. Sometimes we just forget how valuable they really are in our life. I was on the other side, the receiving end of a thoughtful, 
kind. I knew they went a little out of their way appreciation recently. It was around the end of August. So, so technically the end of summer, even though it was, felt like we're still in summer, but that's him. Hey, we're in the desert, right? So I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if I should keep doing 60 seconds with PJ. Now, for those of you who don't know, I do a five days of 60-second devotions on Instagram and Facebook every week. I started doing them the very week that the world shut down, mid-March 2020, out of like, how do I connect with people during this time? I don't know what to do. I'm going to start doing this. And here we are nearly 800 episodes later. I'm still doing them. But I was wondering, does it still have its effect, its impact? Is it still helping people? Is it still encouraging people? I mean, algorithms change on those kind of formats. And I didn't know if as many people were seeing it or not, or if it was helpful or not. I enjoy doing it, but it's like, is there a, is there a better use of my time somewhere else? And I walked in the office one day, and somebody had sent me a card. Now, here's what you need to understand. They don't go to our church. They go to another church in town, in our valley. They sent me a card, and it spelled out how much these devotionals have meant to them and how it supported them and encouraged them just recently. Now, here's the thing. A text would have been great. An email would have been great. But for those of you who are younger, you don't know this, the, the mailbox out in front of your house, little, we can put stuff in it, and then a mail person picks it up and takes it, and they deliver it. It's like effort goes into that, right? I mean, how many times have you thought, man, I bet, I bet, I bet they'd love a card. I'll just shoot them a text. And they, that's still appreciated. I knew these people who were like thinking of me, and I, I didn't tell anybody I was questioning this. But they were saying, we don't want to take for granted what you're doing. In just 60 seconds a day, it makes a difference for us. And we want to say thank you. I'm going to tell you, man, there's, it's huge when somebody goes out of their way to show appreciation. That's one of the ways we don't take the people that we care about the most for granted. We let them know just how much we appreciate them. Here's another thing. When you find the right people, be prayerful. We had a lady in our church uh, for years. She's passed away. She's with the Lord now. Her name was Donna Baker. And um, you know how some of you have like the same spot you kind of sit in every week. She would always sit in the back over there. She would help usher in people like, like when the worship already started and it's kind of dark and it's hard to find to see. She would take people from the back and she would lead them up here. And as soon as they would realize Donna's taking them to the front row, they would duck off into some other row. And she'd be out and then she'd turn around and they were gone. She goes, oh, well, she, she, was, she was a character. But she had a little book and it was her prayer book. And it's not like she, she told me every week, oh, by the way, you're in my prayer book. It's like, but she told me a couple times a year and just reminded me, you're in my book. And I pray for you every day. We've had other people in our church who've done the same thing for me and for each other. It's like, when you know someone's praying for you, that's powerful stuff, right? It's powerful. Look at this. Whenever I pray, I, I want you to see this. It says, whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Let me go back up here. 
The two words in yellow, joy and partners. Again, this word joy is going to show up a lot so that you know this. The word joy, enjoy, rejoice, that, that variation, it's, it's found like 14 times or so in this little letter. It's, it's a big part of the theme. From the guy sitting in prison, he's talking about joy, and he does it over and over and over. So that's the first thing. The second thing is he's calling them his partners. As partners in this mission, the, the partners in the ministry, the partners in sharing the good news or the gospel. It's like, you're my partners. A few weeks ago, we had a big celebration for all the people who um, volunteer their time. And we, for years, have called them volunteers. And you, maybe you just heard me say this recently. We don't call them that anymore. We call them change makers. And maybe you're one of those change makers. And maybe you serve on a team in the cafe or you serve on a team down in children's ministry. You serve on a team in the tech team. You serve on a team out greeting people. You serve on one of our teams somewhere, you know, at some place. Maybe it's during the week. Maybe it's during the weekend. But you're, you're one of these partners. And as soon as I say my partners, they're like, you know who I'm talking about for you. Those are those other five or six or 10 or 12 people that like you're doing this with, you're serving alongside. Like you lock arms and you do it together. Here's what you know about your partners. You don't want to do the same thing. But you all need each other. Some of you maybe have administrative gifts, and some of you have like really outgoing personalities, and some of you maybe behind the scenes more kind of a person, and some of you do this better, and some of you do that better. We don't all do the same thing, but we're all partners in doing this. Paul's saying, here I am in Rome, and you're over there in Philippi, but we're still in on this together. That's a big deal. It's a big deal to him, and and as well, it's, it's a big deal to us too. Here's the second lesson. Pray for your partners in ministry. Pray for them. Now, here's my thought. We don't always maybe know the exact words, but when somebody's sick, we know how to pray for them, right? Somebody has a job interview, we know how to pray for them. Let me ask you this. How do you pray for somebody just like every day? How do you pray for like, It's not a special occasion prayer. It's just like, how do I pray for them? So if we just skip down to verse 9, he actually shows us how to pray. And I I would love for you to copy 9, 10, 11, stick it somewhere in your house, maybe where you have your prayer time, and this could be a focus for you as you pray for other people in your life, your family, your your partners in the ministry, the people in your life groups, like we're praying for people like this. But check this out, down in verse 9. He says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more. What a great prayer. And then you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. He says, for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory And praise to God. That's a prayer. By the way, if you do, you're like, Pastor John, you're like, how do I pray for you? Like, Pastor Donnie, how do I pray for you? It's like, how do I pray for people on the staff? How do I pray for it? If you want to use 9 through 11 and pray that for me every day, I'm I'm all up for it. I need it. Yeah, and if I have the sniffles, you can pray for that. Right? It's like, we know how to pray for some of those other things. To me, this is a beautiful picture of how to pray for the people that we care about. Their love 
would overflow, their knowledge would grow, their, their life would be seen in a way that others would see the character of God showing up in their life. Like that's the prayer. And that's how we can pray for each other. Third thing I see in these verses is when you find the right people, be patient. <laughs> Have you noticed this? While you see people changing, people changing for the better, they typically don't happen at the pace that I would prefer. You know what I'm talking about? You see some change, but like, come on, man, this is taking too long, right? And it's exactly what they're saying about you and me. But, but understand this. God is still working. Let's go back to Philippians 1 again. Look, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. By the way, this is important right here. None of us are going to be finished, completed, perfected until Christ returns. And so if you're looking at me or you're looking at some other, you know, life group leader or some ministry team leader and you're, you're expecting perfection, just please stop. We're not there yet. And we're not going to be there yet until Jesus returns and takes us home. Then we're completed. Then we're perfected. Then we're finished. But until then, we're all in process. All of us. So here's the lesson. God is working. Sometimes it takes time. Now look at the person next to you and say, I'll be more patient with you. Go ahead. I'll give you a second. Yeah. We got to be patient with each other. A week ago, I had the privilege on Friday night of speaking at our Celebrate Recovery eighth anniversary. So we've, we've had Celebrate Recovery in our church for eight years. We had a party last week. They had tri-tip. I'm a, man, I'm telling you right now, the food was amazing. Uh, it was a great time. Worship was off the hook. It's like JT, who was playing the keyboards tonight, he was literally playing the keys and playing uh, cajon, a jumbe, you know, that box thing. He's playing it and he's singing all at the same time. I'm just like... Just stop it, dude, right? That's way too much talent in one person. And so I'm there, but this is, I'm going to just tell you what my experience was. It was great to be able to share with him, but I walked away encouraged because I saw a group of people who genuinely loved each other, although they know how broken each other is. You know, when somebody gets up to speak, they'll say, hi, my name is John. And I struggle with, but Jesus is my Lord and Savior. It's like they're very open about the fault, the brokenness, the, the process, the growth. And if you've ever been to something like that, you know that they have, they have chips. You have like a, a one-month chip. Hey, I've, I've, I've not been smoking for a whole month. Hey, you get a chip. You know, I haven't done drugs for, for six months. There's a chip for six months. There's a chip for a, a year. I've been off pornography now for three years. Three-year chip. That's awesome. Way to go, buddy. And so I have all these chips. But you know what? They have a chip for when you blow it and have to start over. And they come up in front of everybody. And they're like, I was clean for 323 days, and I blew it, day one. And everybody just claps and hugs them, not because they failed, but because they know they're not perfect. 
And they're in this together. I'm going to tell you right now, I, I believe CR is not something just for people who have addictive issues. It's for people who have sin issues, which would include, hmm, all of us. Man, there is some truth that is taught there. And if you feel like, man, you need that kind of a group, whatever your issues are and you're broken, you need to be around people who you know God's at work in you, even though it's taken some time. If you need to be around a group like that, Friday night, 6 o'clock is when they eat. Ministry stuff starts then, but the program starts at 7. Friday nights, student center, every week. Sometimes it takes some time. I'm going to tell you right now, you need to have the right kind of people around you who know when you do fall flat on your face, and we all do, they're not going to wipe their hands clean of you and walk away. They're going to pick you up and say, hey, thanks for picking me up last time. I got you this time. We're in this together. Fourth lesson, when you find the right people, be loving. <laughs> be loving. One of the things I noticed about myself that I have to be careful of is, and maybe, you, maybe you've seen this, maybe not in yourself, maybe you've seen it in someone else. If we're just looking for people who can meet our needs, looking for people who can help us achieve our goals, help, looking for people who can help fulfill our vision or our agenda, we're not loving people, we're using them. When you find the right people, we need to love them. And that's not because of something we can get out of them, that's something that we can give to them. And that's a totally different way to look at this, this thing called relationship. He says, so it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have been a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. Now, I, I'm, I know this is heavy stuff, but I'm going to show you why I don't use the King James Version. By the way, the King James Version was written in 1611 in England. Ain't nobody talking like that here now. This is how they translate the last phrase. King James Version, here we go. You ready? How greatly I long after you in the bowels of Jesus Christ. If you want to memorize a verse, I wouldn't choose that one in the King James Version, right? That's just weird, right? So when, when Paul says this tender compassion, the word he's actually talking about here is like the deepest part of his gut, like sometimes we think of like affection coming from our heart, but there's this part of us, this inner part of us. He says, that's how much I care about you guys. This is how much I love you. It's like it's way in there. The bowels of Jesus Christ. Like, stop. That's just gross. All right. Rick Warren says this. If people are not on my heart, they're on my nerves. Can I get a witness? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Man, you have some people that really bug you. Have you figured it out already? You don't love them very much. Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe it's your spouse. I don't know. I don't want to go there. But it's like, no, if people are not on my heart, they, they tend to be on our nerves. We have a short fuse with people that we genuinely don't care about, especially if we don't care about them right there, right? So just that, that's, that's what I want you to get. Look at this. And this hope 
will not lead to disappointment. This is Romans 5.5. 5. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. This, this love that he's describing is not something we have to just work on and conjure up ourselves. He says he is pouring into us this very kind of love that now can flow from us into the people in our life that we've put around us, who we know we need because we're partners in this thing called ministry and mission and life, and we need each other. Lesson number four in all of this is this. Love sums it up. It does for Jesus. Think about a relationship with him. A relationship with God. Christianity at its very foundation is not a system of religious practices that we engage in. It's a relationship that we grow in. I mean, Jesus says it. He's like, come and follow me, not come and do this list of things. It's like, come and follow. There's a relationship that he's after. He wants a relationship with us. And he literally sums it up this way. Love God and love your neighbor. It's all about relationship when, it, when Jesus talks about it. It's all about relationship. And it's about love. So love sums it all up. So Michelle and I, are in Sequoia National Forest. I have one bar for a split second. I text a friend who I think might be able to help. I don't know at the time he's actually in Sequoia National Forest. And I text him and I say, call me ASAP. And then I don't have a signal. It just, it's just coming and going. I don't even know if he has a signal. And even though I'm telling him to call me, he probably can't call me because I don't have a signal. I have the wrong carrier. <laughs> even though my friend, my new friend, my new best friend, John, he has Verizon. He only has one or two bars and it's intermittent as well. And so we've already called out a few people, but they're trying to call me back and they can't get me. And everybody in Fresno and up the mountain are all frustrated because I'm telling people I'm in desperate need and nobody can get a hold of me. The ranger comes up. She's very nice. She says, you can't park here. And I'm like, we're, we're in a safe spot. We're, we're in the middle of these two lanes, but it's not, you know, it's like people can get around us easily. Um, but we're trying, she finally just says, you know what? Why don't I just come in back and check on you every now and then? So I had just tried to call my friend who I texted and I said, call me ASAP. I got a bar. I'm sorry, it always, it always makes me laugh when I think of AT&D, more bars and more places. It sounds more like an A&A, um, Alcoholics Anonymous thing. But anyway, so I have one bar. That's all I have. And I'm looking at it. I'm going to try to call him. And sure enough, it goes to his voicemail. But the ranger starts talking to me, so I'm not paying attention to this. And I start talking to her. And, and I say to her, please check on us like every five minutes. I appreciate that. And I say this, and this is when his voicemail kicks on, but I don't know that. I say to her, and if you come back and see blood, you know there's a problem. Oh, off. That's all he got. He got, text me, ASAP, and then he heard, if you see blood, you know there's a problem. That's all the information he had, right? So he finally eventually meets us at Hume Lake. We connect there. We laugh about it. It's funny. But the reason I'm telling you this whole story, even though John and Aubrey are amazing, is God orchestrated this whole thing. While we were at Hume Lake, the week before, we had heard that we had some friends of ours that we had lost contact with who were up there. 
And so we get up there. And we say, hey, do you know these people? We ask John and Aubrey. And he's on the board of directors. Do you know these people? No. Well, we hear they have a cabin up here. And he goes, oh, I can find that. So he goes into the office, finds it, on the, and he drives us up to them. We hadn't seen these people in 13 years. They were friends of ours. At the time they moved out of our area, they were part of our church. At the time they moved out of our area, there was some things going on and we just kind of like disconnected and they left and we, we hadn't talked to them in 13 years. And the moment we saw them, we just wrapped our arms around each other. And I thought later, God, thank you for not miraculously fixing my thermostat because that would have been way easier. But I would have missed what you wanted to do in my life. We got to see our friends. We got to reconnect with them. And what I know right now is that some of you may need to reconnect with God. Maybe you've been coming to church. Maybe you're trying. Maybe you don't know what's missing. You just, you haven't connected. But I do know this for sure. He desperately wants to connect with you. If you're watching online and you have questions, you want to have a decision, you want to connect with God and you don't know how, just email us or, or use the app. If you have the app, you can connect with us that way. For those of you in this space right now, I want to pray for you. But I want to lead you a little bit in this prayer time as well. So there'll be times I'll just be quiet and I don't need you to pray out loud, but you can pray to God as I prompt you. Let's just, let's just do that. Let's bow our heads. God, thanks for loving us so much that you can even use uh, inconvenience and even pain to point us in the right direction. God, I don't know everyone's story who's here right now or who's listening online, but it may be that somebody needs to reconnect with you. So, friends, if that's you, just tell them you want to connect. God, we know there's no like magic words for that. You don't expect to say it in a certain way but it may be that we just want to connect with you for the first time. We want a relationship with you. Or maybe we've, we've drifted and we want to reconnect. Whatever that is, God, we just know we can just tell you. We want to be right with you. We want to have a relationship with you. We want to walk with you. We don't want to do life on our own. So guide us, be with us, and help us find the right people, even in this space, who can help us on that journey of being closer and closer to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.